So the theme for today's sermon is the love of God. And the key scripture to keep in mind is 1 Corinthians 13 verses 1 to 13. So let's start with looking at what the love of God is and is not. The Bible shows two types of love, worldly love and the love of God. don't know if you can see that from the back, but I am going to read them out. So starting from the worldly love column. Worldly love is a feeling, and it's all about your needs. It's conditional, and it's normally a phase that you go through. It's getting and receiving. It's normally about physical sex, and it thrives in conflict. It's bitter and stuck in the past. It's covering up and suspicious. It's blaming and anxious. Godly love, the yellow side, says it's an action. It's about the needs of others. It's unconditional and committed. It's giving and serving. It's physical, emotional, and spiritual intimacy. It works through conflict. It's forgiving and moves forward. It's transparent and trustworthy. It's responsible and peaceful. Worldly love focuses on self, while the love of God is motivated towards the good of others. God's love focuses on giving and serving, not receiving. It is selfless love, always seeking the best for others. It builds deep and intimate relationships with God. Love is one of his key characteristics, and it shows who he is. The Holy Trinity and their unity are held together by love. It's one of his moral attributes. The Father loved the Son, the Father and the Son loved the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit loves the Son and the Father. If you mess with one of them, you mess with all of them. And the principle is the same for us. When anyone attacks a child of God, they take on God himself. And he does not take kindly to anyone who takes on his children. God's love allows us to choose. True love is always a choice between two people. You cannot force love or make someone love you. God loves us so much he allows us to choose him or not. And he loves us in spite of us. This is why his love is so great for those who would love him back. His love is absolute. Nothing is amiss from it. Nothing else is required of it. It fulfills every need, every requirement. It never falls short. God's love persevered and endures for our good and for the good of others. He is freely and eternally giving of himself to every generation for their good. Psalm 103 verse 13. Just as a father loves his children, so the Lord loves those who fear and worship him with all-filled respect and deepest reverence. God's love reflects his fatherly characteristics towards his children. He shows them love, patience and kindness. He wants to protect and provide and discipline his children, but he also wants to instill family values to us. 1 John 3.18 Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. His love is seen through action and truth, not words. He loved us so much that he came himself and died for us to reconcile us back to him. He still loves us even when we walk away from him. How much more does he love us when we return back to his love and respond in love to him? John 3:16, famous verse, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as saviour shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's love is forgiving and it forgets. 
When you love someone, you don't want to hold things against them and do anything to hinder that love. This is beautiful as both parties don't want to intentionally hurt one another. Isn't that good church? That you're with your partner and they don't want to intentionally hurt you? You may do it by accident, that happens, it's life. But they don't want to intentionally hurt you. God never wants to intentionally hurt us. And when we understand his love and love him back, we don't want to intentionally hurt him. So it becomes a mutual relationship of love, showing respect and honour. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfil his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. His love is patient, merciful, and compassionate. He waits. He's patient. And he's merciful as he moulds us into the children he destined us to be. So how does the love of God change and impact us? Now let's look at the key verse, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 13. I'm only going to summarise because I've got a lot more scriptures to come, so I'm not going to go in depth, but I have this in mind. From verse 1. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love for others growing out of God's love for me, then I have become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, just an annoying distraction. And if I have the gift of prophecy and speak a new message from God to the people and understand all mysteries and possess all knowledge, and if I have all sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains but do not have love reaching out to others, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it does me no good at all. So move too fast. Without God's love, we will gain nothing in him. We may be doing things in God, but we will gain no reward from it. If we're not doing it in his love, or worse, we have no relationship in him. Love endures with patience and serenity. Love is kind and thoughtful and is not jealous or envious. Love does not brag and is not proud or arrogant. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It is not provoked, nor overly sensitive and easily angered. It does not take into account a, war- a wrong endured. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices with the truth when right and truth prevail. Love bears all things, regardless of what comes, believes all things, looking for the best in each one, hopes all things, remaining steadfast during difficult times, endures all things without weakening. Why then? We then see the definition of what God's love is through these verses, and we shall be reflecting them in every... We should be reflecting them every day. Why? Because it's going to show the fruits of God living in us and show what God's love is and is not. From verse 8. Love never fails. It never fades nor ends. But as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for the gift of special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. For our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. But when that which is complete and perfect comes, that which is incomplete and partial will pass away. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I fought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. We will only know God's love fully once he returns. For now we know a portion of his love, and that is dependent on our walk of faithfulness and love towards God. And then the penultimate verse, verse 13. 
And now to remain faith, abiding trust in God and his promises, hope, confident expectation of eternal salvation, love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three, the choicest graces, but the greatest of these is love. Now I chose the Amplified because it gives you a more broader depth of what the words are meaning there. Because a lot of us read through that verse, we say it at weddings, but we don't actually feel the whole impact of those words. When you start unpacking what the love means, and especially that other bit about loving others, because God has already given you that love, puts it completely in a different light. Verse 13 shows some key gifts of grace shown towards us from God, faith, hope, and love. But love is noted as the greatest, as it's through his love we see God's greatest motivation and action towards his creation, through existence and beyond. I'm going to be talking a lot about creation as I'm preaching. It will be twofold. When I talk about creation, I'm talking about mankind, but I also mean his complete creation, the world, the planets, the universe. Love, is, in Greek, is the word agape. It is the love that covers all, the love without demand, and the love that is impossible to measure. This is the love God has for us, and his greatest desire is not for us to be religious, but for us to genuinely love him back. I hope you understand what I mean by being religious. I'm not talking about Catholics now when they're just doing the Hail Marys and stuff like that. You can be in a church just like this one, spirit-filled, and be religious. You can be here warming the chair, using it as a social club. And I'm sorry, church is not that. Church is family. We need to break out of this uh, consumerist spirit that we've bought into that we've come for entertainment, that we've come to hear the worship team, hear a particular preacher. It's the word of God that you've come to hear and the spirit of God to honour. That should be our heart. Sorry, I'm talking to myself just as much as I'm talking to you guys, church. All other loves will fail and fall short of his love. But the love of God will never fail you. I love the songs we were singing today. All of them were speaking about that. A steadfast love, a love that will never give up on us. God chose to love you, even to die for you. Will you choose to love him and die for him? His love brings correction. God corrects us because he loves us so much. He does not want to see us lost and eternally separated from him. He does not want to see us fall, fail or miss out on his abundant grace. Psalm 147 verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds, healing their pain and comforting their sorrow. His love heals our brokenness and empowers those he loves, his children. His love releases and heals us from the pain and brokenness we were born into, or we experience from others or ourselves. God's love fills our hearts and minds with joy, peace and love. His love empowers us with his courage. We see that with some of the big guns in the Bible, Moses and Daniel. But he also empowers us with consistency. When I say consistency, it's about faithfulness. Faithfulness in God in everything. And again, it's not about attending church on every Sunday. That's not faithfulness. That's you touching base with God to make sure you're still worshipping. Faithfulness is praying when you're at home, living the kingdom way in the, wherever you are out there. He empowers you with confidence because when you experience his mercy, you will feel his patience. And then when you feel his, you're confident in his patience, 
you'll have greater faith. All of it gives you confidence. Because I'm telling you now, when the things are stacked against me in whatever situation, be it God, be it at work, be it at home, if I don't have faith to know God is going to take me through this, and God is more powerful than my situation, I'm going to, cup, I'm going to crumble. I'm going to break up. But I have confidence because he's shown me. He's shown me day by day he is more powerful than my situation. And then compassion. He has love for the lost and the hurt. But most of all, he helps those who can't help themselves. And we were there once, church. We just could not help ourselves. Now, we're in a position where we have God and we can help others. But we still need him to help us do what he needs us to do. His love brings freedom. It leads us away from sin and death into his righteousness and life. It releases us from the snares of our past and restores our souls. His love never leaves us or forsakes us. That's one that I always hold dear to my heart. Uh, a prophetic leader from Elam spoke that over me one, one time, and it's never left me. It just broke me. That, that particular thing just broke me. But you really do have to hold on to it. God's love brings our hearts to life in him. His love breaks, heals, and changes our hearts of stone to hearts for God. We're building and renewing our dead heart, hearts. Sin, unbelief, past hurts, unforgiveness, and even disrespect towards God hardens our hearts. Only his love can make our hearts alive. His love does not tear us down. It doesn't make us feel sorry for ourselves. It won't belittle us or exclude us, but it will build us up and it will include us in his great restoration plan for his creation. To rebuild the greatest relationship we ever have and ever need in this life and the one to come. His love protects and keeps us from the evils this world brings. And there are evils out in this world, church. We may not see it. I think we're blessed sometimes because God shields us from some of the evils in the world. But it is out there. Those who protect will be ready to fight to defend their loved ones. I'll say that one again. Those who protect will be ready to fight to defend their loved ones. That's us, church. You have loved ones, don't you? Someone that gave you birth probably is the first one you would have loved. Then any person that you joined into the family with, you're loving. And I know as a parent, you see or threaten my child in any way, there's going to be consequences. Because we're, we're parents. You don't see your child in trouble and say, oh, it's not my issue. It is your issue. You've got to protect them. Don't always expect the army or the police to fight for you. Sometimes you're going to have to fight for yourself. God loves... God's love defends those who cannot defend themselves, and he also speaks for them. His love shows how much God wants to interact with us and have a relationship with us. That's what he created us for, to have a relationship with him. Ephesians 3, verses 17 to 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, 
that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. His love is encouraging. It tells us to get back up on our feet and try harder. God's love is all-encompassing. It surrounds, cushions and protects us. It's more than the word can express. It knows no bounds and has no limits. Its depth, width and height are immeasurable. And his love reflects himself. He is incomprehensible, mysterious and glorious in every way. 1 Corinthians 8 verse 3. But if anyone loves God with all filled reverence, obedience and gratitude, he is known by him and his very own, as his very own and is greatly loved. We know God through his love, so we need to understand it and be able to express it in ways people can understand because in this current age, what people see as love isn't anything in comparison to his love. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation shows God's great love. We see it expressed through his creation. When I say creation now, I mean everything now. He shows his great provision and protection for those who would walk and love in him, love him. Even in Adam and Eve's disobedience, he clothed them and remained in relationship with them. So if you read Genesis, it does say that. They rebelled. God didn't say, I disown you, you're on your own. No, he killed an animal, he clothed them, and he still remained in fellowship. He was still talking to Adam and probably Eve, and they remained in relationship with him. Throughout the Gospels, with God sending his son to fulfill the plan, the Trinity had agreed before time began. And in Revelations, where God motivated and purposely does things out of his love, completes his plan of redemption, salvation, sanctification, and makes all things new. God's love trusts. He entrusts us with many things through his love. The most precious, I feel, is his name and the Holy Spirit. He empowers us to defend and uphold his name and share his teachings for his glory and for his honour. He blesses us with his Holy Spirit to dwell in us, who continues God's work of sanctification in us and teach us God's mysteries. His love is mysterious. We don't understand why God loves us. There are many days I get up and I keep arguing with him, why do you love me, Lord? Why? But he never makes mistakes. That's one thing you can be certain of. God never makes mistakes. So always take encouragement from that. If God says he loves you, he truly does love you. God's love becomes so much more as he unveils it to you and we understand it and receive it. Do you know that you can reject God's love? You can. You can easily, even a Christian can reject God's love. Sometimes I'm constantly fighting in my head with the Holy Spirit because I don't want to do what he's telling me to do. But that's hurting him. The Holy Spirit came to cooperate with us and to empower us. It's a bit like me and my wife. If I'm not cooperating with her, my household isn't as peaceful as it could be. (laughs) He isn't forced into loving us. His love is always intentional and is fueled by action. And you can't love someone and not be intentional. He wants to protect and provide for us and to share in his goodness, love, joy and peace. Intentional love, God's love, is the greatest love you will ever know. It's beautiful and it's why so many people throughout the ages have spoken of it. 
not just in the Bible, but even now, people are still talking about his glorious love that forgives and shows grace, mercy, and compassion, that lifts us up and puts a smile on our face. God love, God's love is so beautiful. It really is so beautiful. 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love and has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. His perfect love casts out fear of his judgment and condemnation. His love perfects us to become more like Jesus, pleasing and acceptable to God. It brings eternal hope in him and the hope for the works of his mighty hand in every situation we and others will face. I'm so glad that we can pray for other people because they're not alone. They have us. Even though we're not physically with them, we can still pray for them. We have hope of his eternal life, but more importantly, we have hope that we're not going to face eternal judgment. The saints, those who wholeheartedly follow and obey Jesus, will enter into eternal joy, peace, and love, and into the full presence of the triune God. Triune God means trinity. No sickness, no death, no sin. Everything new, pure, and good. God's love brings honor to those who allow it to transform their hearts and lives. We realize the honor God has given us, and we can only praise and honor him with our whole lives, becoming living sacrifices for his glory and showing his love to others, even our enemies. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. His love reveals to us our identity in him. We are new creations made better, and what we were meant to be in him. No longer sinners, but saints, a child of God, an ambassador, and a messenger of his good news. The love of God has a plan and a destiny for us. It has purpose and order. So why is the love of God good for us? God's love answers and fulfills our deepest needs. He understands our pain and our hardships and provides a way to endure and overcome them. Jesus endured much hardship in his life, even death on the cross, to make a way for us to share in God's great love. It shows his great compassion for us. A quote from Nicky Gumbel. God's love brings forgiveness from the past, new life in the present, and eternal life for the future. His love enables us to be forgiven. He entrusts his children with the privilege and responsibility of sharing in his ministry of reconciliation. It breaks down every barrier the world puts up to hinder his love, be it hopelessness, hate and injustice. Neither sin nor death could or does stop his love. Let me just stop there. There's a lot of turmoil in our world at this moment in time, right here on our back door. We've been going through Brexit for a good number of nearly years now, isn't it? And it's causing a lot of turmoil. The stock market, because of that, the, t the pound is dropping. Businesses are afraid of what the impact's going to be. Trade between countries is up in the air. And we have a prime minister who we're not certain whose motivations are for the people. We also have turmoil in our capital. The, um, the guys causing all that disruption 
Yes, Extinction Rebellion. Again, they're doing something for a good cause, but maybe in not the best way. And it's causing turmoil. I saw a video where one person, like they did with the uh, plane, was lying on top of a tube train to stop the tube system. Now, come on, people. We know what uh, tube rush hour is like. One delay can cause massive tailbacks. And this guy was laying on the top of a tube. It was two of them. Laying on the top of a tube, making their protest. Okay, do that. Make your protest come down. Even the LT staff couldn't remove him. Police weren't around because they've got other things to be doing in the capital because of these same people. So in the end, people took it into their own hands and dragged them down from the top of the tube train. What was sad was, once he was down on the platform, they started beating him because of their frustrations. That's the, that's the boiling pot we're living in at the moment in, in time. Now, we as the children of God are peacekeepers. So we've got to be praying now that there's peace. You can't have that sort of boiling pot and it's like any pot. You keep it boiling, at some point it's going to overspill and who knows what's going to happen. We need to try, as the peacekeepers, as the praying peacekeepers, to make sure the lid stays on the pot. Amen? Nikki Gumbel quote. Life is full of choices. What you choose to live for is this. is the most important choice of all. Once you've made this choice, it will help you to make every other choice in life. You have to have many decisions to make in your life. What job you want to do, where to live, what shoes to wear. That's for the ladies. We could change our minds on these, which can have long-term impacts. Make the right choice and life can be good. Make the wrong choice and life could be a living hell for all concerned. In love, God chose you before you were even born. He sustains and keeps you and loves you beyond compare. Why would you choose anything or anyone before him knowing this? The Bible tells us what God's love is and Jesus showed us what God's love is. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14. Let everything you do be done in love, motivated and inspired by God's love for us. His love shows us the value God has for us and the lengths he goes through for us to see, enjoy and rejoice in how much he loves us and values us. That is Michelangelo's David that's housed in Venice. That's what I look like underneath this, you know. <laughs> and it's considered a great... Ma- forgive me, Lord. It's considered a great masterpiece. God's masterpiece is all around us, with us, each and every day. But the Bible shows we are his greatest masterpiece. And his love confirms that to us every day. His love shows we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We reflect the image of a magnificent God. And he is pleased with his creation when we acknowledge and live for him. Because that's what he created us for. God's love shows him to be personal, relational, intimate and engaging. And caring for his children and creation as a whole. He knows all his children by name and he deals with us as individuals. His love is inviting and accepting. It does not condemn or violate those who experience it. God's love can be trusted. There is no falsehood in it. We can put our complete faith in it and entrust our loved ones to it. That's one thing that brings me peace at night. That I can pray when my son's out there and he's covered. 
because I know God loves him just as much as he loves me. Quote from Do Our Labels Define Us, Version Bible Plan. There is no better or worse, only unique. Don't try to be like someone else. God made you who you are as you are. God will use you as you are. God's love reflects his uniqueness and celebrates in our uniqueness. It's for our individuality we build up and edify the body of Christ to bring others to the revelation of God. God's love sows and grows for the kingdom. His love reflects unity. There is complete unity within the Trinity. God wants the same for his spirit, for his children. It is the glue that brings people together in his body and allows people from all backgrounds to walk together in God's kingdom purposes. They seek to bring joy and happiness to one another and to those they draw by his spirit. God's love provides promises and exhorts us to places we never imagined we could attain in our own selves. We can always count on God. He is always there for us, whether we are celebrating or grieving. He promises to walk with us through whatever we face in life. His love watches over us. When he sees us wandering away or off the path, he brings us back. God is omnipresent, so he's everywhere, ever watchful, and with nurture, guides us back to him. The presence of God is felt through his love and the presence of the Holy Spirit. When I say nurture, because those of us who are parents or have responsibility for children, when someone, when your child walks away or runs away, it's normally runs away from your side, and there's a road, you're there shouting, Fred, come back, don't run over there. And then when they come back, it's not, dear, dear, you shouldn't have run away. It's normally, you're going to get a fresh one when you get home. God isn't like that. What God says is, you've strayed. You've walked away from me. Always, I always have prodigal son in my head. The father could have gone and seeked his son, says, why are you spending my money that way? Come back. Don't be foolish. But he let him do what he needed to do to get it out of his system. And he waited for him. He waited for him. He knew. He wanted him to come back. He wanted him to willingly come back. And that's the difference. We can go out and drag someone out of the world and bring them into church and think, you're in church. It's the best place for you. Come on. Get on with it. That's not the way to do it. And Jesus didn't draw people to himself like that. What he did was he gave you an opportunity to engage. He waited for you to come. Because if someone willingly comes to someone or a place, they want to be there. Yeah? We've got to have the same heart for people. God's love ensures that we will never be alone. As a Liverpool fan, I always like that saying. He will always be with us. He makes us more than conquerors and nothing can separate us from his love once it's truly received in our hearts. Romans 8, verses 37 to 39. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. His love, his love always gives birth to something beautiful, new and good. We see it today when the Holy Spirit gives birth to something new. 
So what are the challenges that the love of God brings? It's important to know this is what the Pharisees missed. God's love cannot be earned. You cannot earn God's love by works. It doesn't happen. He gives it graciously and generously. He will lavish it to us every day, in every way, for all our needs. And sometimes, to get us out of trouble, we willingly entered into. I know many a time, I've made a wrong decision, done something completely catastrophic, and it's only the love of God that has taken me through. I made a decision. God was probably telling me and talking to me, and I wasn't listening. And we do that sometimes. The Holy Spirit's talking to us, saying, you know that if you do this, this is the consequence. Or if you do this, it might not be as nice or good as you think it's going to be. And you make the mistake. And again, he's gracious. He says to you, all right, you made a mistake. Let's move on from this. Psalm 59, verse 16. But I will sing of your strength. I will sing aloud of your steadfast love in the morning. For you have been to me a fortress and a refuge in the day of my distress. His love comforts us when we are going through bad times, self-inflicted or inflicted by others. His love provides us with strength and confidence in him and that we will come through tough times stronger and bolder for it. Again, I'd encourage you, church, on that one. We, go, we are going to go through bad times. We are going to have trials. We're going to have tribulations. But we are going to be stronger for it. That's what God says. And that's what takes me through sometimes. I'm not, well, most of the time I'm saying, Lord, get me out of this situation. That's human. That is human. But I know once I'm out of it, I'm going to be stronger for it. So sometimes these times, these trials, these seasons that come your way is because God wants you to be a bit bigger. He wants you to be a bit much maturer. He wants you to be a bit stronger. Because the next time, he's going to put a bit more onto you. A quote from C.S. Lewis. God allows us to feel the frailty of human love so we appreciate the strength of his. God's love makes us stronger, stronger for ourselves and stronger for others. He gives us his strength to be able to handle the weight of his responsibilities that he does bless us with, to use them wisely and for his glory. Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I love that song as well. God doesn't want you to make a mess of your life, but he loves you enough to try and stop you, but won't force you to do his will. He will help you pick up the pieces, but be aware there will be a cost for ignoring or rejecting his love. Cheap grace wants all the benefits of salvation without the cost of following Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. Paul warns in his letters to not fall away from Jesus, or produce works unworthy of the Lord, we must honour his love with our whole hearts and service to him. A quote from C.S. Lewis. Though our feelings come and go, God's love for us does not. Do not love God with just feelings and emotions, but with faithfulness, obedience and actions in remembrance of all he has done in love for us. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9. 
Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love for those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. His love is not emotions or feelings. It's complete commitment, dedication and faithfulness to us. God makes covenants binding never to be broken and he does not want anything to interrupt our relationship with him. His love reflects the unity of the Trinity who fellowship constantly, always in tune with one another. That's, the most in, that's how intimate God wants to be with us. The God of all creation wants us to be in the closest, deepest, greatest relationship that any human being can experience. Our God is so good and gracious and his love so pure, holy and kind. Why would we reject or even consider not loving the God who loves us so much? Love is a decision, not an emotion. We won't always feel good in this love. When I, let me clarify that. When I say feel good, I mean you're going to be in a bad situation, but the love of God's still going to be there. But it won't feel like he's there. Have you been there, church? That's what I mean by not feel good in his love. But what? imagine, how would you feel if his love wasn't there with you? Before his love was there in your heart, you'd be in a lot worse position, but you will come through it. You may experience shame or guilt or even the consequences of your actions, but God will still love you as you are and as he did before. Best thing to do is not reject his love, but embrace it more and more every day and learn to love as he teaches us to love for his glory. God's love reflects submission. Seeking, experiencing and showing God's love in this world should be every believer's ultimate goal next to loving God above all things. God does things because he wants to, not because he has to. Love is linked to what motivates us. His love gives us confidence to ask of one another and God. James 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast on the trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God requires steadfast love from us. Why? Because he's a jealous God. When I say jealous, I don't mean one that's, you know, someone's looking at your partner in the wrong way. He's a jealous God because he doesn't want anything to interrupt our relationship with you. He expects complete faithfulness from us. Do not run away from him with other things. He considers that spiritual adultery. Matthew 20, verses 26 to 28. It shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you must be your servant, and whoever will be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The love of God serves. It serves others, not ourselves. It is selfless, not selfish. It is forgiving, not unforgiving. It is joyful, not sorrowful. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's the challenge for us husbands, to love our wives as they need to be loved. Because that's all they want, sometimes. I know you're giggling, but it's true. 
You love your wife, she loves you, it's a much happier household. If you don't love your wife, then it's not such a happy household, as we said earlier. His love leads by example and humility. Leading compassionately and not domineeringly. That means overbearingly. Saying that you're going to put your foot down. It can be disappointing, but not condemning. It restores, not destroys. It leads, not misguides. It corrects and doesn't let us have our own way. God's love fights. His love fought for you. It fights for your soul and it fights for your life. It requires us to fight for others who can't fight for themselves. Psalm 121 verses 7 and 8. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. His life has a cost. It costs God's only begotten son an undeserved, excruciatingly painful and degrading form of torture and death on a cross by wicked people, the same people he came to save. And God the Father and God the Holy Spirit had to endure watching God the Son going through that. Their perfect connection between one another must have been affected by this, but they went through it for us. The Trinity's love for us took Jesus to the cross. His love for us kept him on the cross. His love for us took all our sins on himself hour after hour until he had atoned for the entire world's sin, past, present and future. In love, he willingly gave his life for us so we might live in him and not in the enemy's clutches. God's love for us resurrected his body from the grave and showed us he is our Lord Saviour and the one true God. 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 to 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sakes died and was raised. To experience God's love, we have to die to ourselves and allow him to come alive in us. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he might increase. We must do the same. 1 John 5 verses 1 to 3. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. His love is courageous. It asks us to take risks. That is a very, that's a truth, church. His love will ask you to take risks. Sometimes, you may not think it is, but when you enter into marriage, that's a risk. Because everything's lovey-dovey before you put the ring on. Isn't it? Those of us who have been married. Nothing can go wrong. Your love is forever. You can hear the music playing in the background. Yeah? And then day one of marriage starts and something changes. Yeah, you're giggling, but you know it's true. Something changes. But you took that risk, didn't you? You've got a 50-50 chance. It could go either way, isn't it? It could. It's 50-50. So you take a risk. The Holy Spirit is always constantly telling you to take a risk. Why? Because we trust God. And we have to put our hope in him. 
and we have to be courageous in him. Not courageous in our own strength, but courageous in his strength. I believe we have to take risks in the love of God sometimes, and you'd be surprised what God can do when you step out in faith and in love. His love has to touch our minds as much as it touches our hearts. It transforms thinking and desires, and we need to allow it to transform us, inside and out. God is spirit, so he must conquer the flesh through our minds and our hearts. You've heard the term, absence make the heart grow fonder, yeah? For a Christian, that's tish-tosh. That's a nice way of saying it's a lot of rubbish. For us, being in God's presence, experiencing his love makes the heart grow fonder for him. You cannot be absent from God. You need to be in his presence. That's the only way you and him can fellowship in love. So that's what, I'm not condemning anyone here, but if you're away from church, you're away from God's presence. You're away from his love. You need church. You need other people to continually help you build up yourself. In the world, you are going to be by yourself, but you're not. He is there with you. Psalm 91, verses 14 to 16. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. God will direct us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit to experience more of his love. However, church, he may use trials to do this. God's love is relational. We will experience less of his love if we are disobedient. Let me explain. God wants to bless us abundantly with all he has, but if we're not ready for it, or we will not use it for his purposes, or we have walked away from him, he cannot bless us in the same way as those who remained with him and followed him. We take away privileges from our kids when they are disobedient, but we don't take everything away from them. We don't disown them and we don't kick them out. God's blessings reduce through disobedience, but his love never wanes. How does God's love reflect him in a greater way to us? God's love goes so much deeper, beyond flesh, beyond spirit. It's all-powerful, all-loving, all-doing, all-seeing. His love is an overwhelming love, not a bad overwhelming, like being overpowered, although sometimes you can be overwhelmed by him. But you're also overwhelmed by his grace, his mercy, and his great love that he continues to show to us, and even to those who will not acknowledge him or love him. His love is so awesome. God created the heavens and the earth. He also created us human beings. Some fun facts about the human body. You know, well, it's quite amazing. You have 206 bones. You don't have to count them right now. Take my word for it. 206 bones. 240 joints. Over 600 muscles. And all of that is wrapped in two square meters of skin. That's you. That's all of you. The Bible says he holds everything together by his mighty hand. Our body, even our intellect, is all cells. And God is holding all those cells together. It's billions of cells renewing themselves each and every day. God brings in new life, but he does it out of his love. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 14. 
Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. His love binds many of his characteristics together. My wife is a childminder, and you need to have a lot of love in that job. You cannot not love in that job, because the person that you're looking after needs that love. And that, I believe, is how God sees how he sustains his creation. We are a labour of his love. He doesn't do it because he has to, because he loves his creation. And when we get our head around that, it completely blows you away about the vastness, greatness, and absolute awesomeness of our God's love. Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 5. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to his purpose of his will. His love predestined us to be his children. It spans all generations and shows his devotion to those who love and obey him. God's love reveals how precious our lives are to him and how every life is precious to him. When we understand God's perspective and love for us and for others, we never look at life the same again. Your focus is completely different. Even the life of insects, plant life, because it's all created by God and we respect what God has made, it gives a whole different meaning about life and respect of life. I don't like spiders. I don't. And before Jesus changed my life, I would just try and squish them as much as I could. Because they, they take the mick with me. I don't. There's always some standoff with a spider, and the spider normally wins, but they just take the living mick. Once God got hold of my life, I had to respect his creation. And now I will let it go. Or I will leave the room, one of the two. But at the end of the day, I have to respect his creation. His love is all-encompassing. It brings joy and hope and peace. It restores, renews and refreshes. It's all-powerful and all-doing. And it penetrates every area of our hearts and every area of our lives. God leaves nothing undone, and his love endures forever. His grace and forgiveness is a sign of his love towards us. He cares and nurtures for us, and he always will will go the extra mile for us. We are undone in his great love, and so wonderful is the God who loves us. His love draws us closer to him day by day. He's a God so full of love, he can't really keep it to himself. He wants to share it with us and he wants us to embody and be a living example of his love shown to us every day. His love shows and reminds me that I want no other, desire no other and need no other but God. For it is through his great love that I am who I am, that I exist and that I have what I have in Jesus' precious name. God's love is unconditional, unfailing and it has no strings attached. It overcomes our fears and gives us hope beyond all we can imagine. His love helps us bear our crosses for him. Each of us has burdens to carry 
and his love provides the strength and will to overcome each and every one of them for his glory. His love kept him on the cross, broken, broken and rejected, so we might enjoy his eternal life and experience the fullness of the Trinity's love for us. His love influences the environment and the atmosphere around us. It changes the world and the people in it. So to summarise, let's look at these key points. The love of God is one of the key characteristics of God. And we see God through his love. It's incomprehensible, unfathomable, beyond our understanding. His love is one of his key graces that he shows to us. And it never leaves us nor forsakes us. His love can be trusted always. It sets us apart and makes us completely new. But most of all, God's love blesses us and blesses others. My last quote for the day from an unknown author. God loves us more in a moment than anyone could love in a lifetime. So God's love is decisive. It's intentional. It's good. And it always brings fruit in our lives and in others' lives. It brings peace and joy and hope. It fills our hearts when we are low, and then it lifts us up when we're high. It helps us reign in our lives, and it shows his kingdom to the world. Amen. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then we'll go straight into communion. Have we got three people that would like to come to the front? If they want to come to the front now. And then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, it's only by your love that we know you. Lord, we weren't the same people that we are today. Your love grabbed hold of us. It shook us. And it's still shaking us. But Lord, what falls away is not of you. What remains is of you. And we pray that more of your love is poured into your people. More of your love will challenge their hearts. More of your love will transform their minds to see you as the glorious, living, loving God that you are. So Father, work in people's hearts. Work in their situations. And show that your love that reigns forever is the one thing they need to hold on to. And may they be empowered to love one another and those in the world. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.